Welcome to the Sanctum. Here we study the mysteries of Dungeon Crawl Classics and Appendix N. With your keepers of mysteries, Jen Brinkman, David Bainey, Bob Brinkman. Enter the Sanctum Socorro and be inspired. Welcome to the Sanctum Secorum podcast, where we plumb the depths of Appendix N as it pertains to the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. We are here to help you serve these literary offerings at your DCC RPG table. I'm Jen. With me tonight are Dave, the Bacon Wizard. Hello, Podites. And Bob, the Ever Fuzzy. <laughs> Nailed that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> And tonight, as announced earlier, we are reviewing the legendary Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Bob is so good at synopses. Yes. Tarzan of the Apes. The story tells of an infant, the son of an aristocratic English couple, abandoned when his parents die in the jungles of Africa. Rescued and reared by apes, he learns to speak their language and imitate their ability to travel swiftly through the treetops. Eventually, his courage immense strength and exceptional intelligence earn him the respect and admiration not only of the apes, but of all of the creatures of the jungle. The ape-man story is classic and fast-paced, packed with riveting adventures as Tarzan avenges the killing of Kala, his ape-mother, subdues man-eating beasts of the jungle, meets and falls in love with the beautiful Jane Porter, vanquishes greedy pirate adventurers, and deals with assorted other threats. Wow, that was awesome. It packs a lot into one little book. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty cool. For some reason, uh, there's so many of these books that I guess as a child I wish I had read now, but Tarzan was never really quite one of those that made a mark on me. I always liked the heroes in spandex for some reason. Um, yeah, and uh, so loincloths didn't seem to compare to capes and spandex at the time, but the story, it really made me uh, wish someone had sat me down and talked to me about the joys of Tarzan in the jungle, because I like the story a lot. It kind of gave me some flashbacks to when I was a kid, because I do remember the old black and white serials. I think they would play like after the Little Rascals. I can't remember, but I do remember Cheetah and uh, that kind of goofy looking Tarzan guy. Yeah, Johnny Weissmuller. <laughs> yeah. So I started having flashbacks of those because I see those while I was spending uh, weekends at my grandparents. But I liked the story. I thought it was really well written. You were right. There were some actually some pretty good action scenes. And even the, some of the cagey banter between the proper gentlemen towards the end of the novel, I really kind of enjoyed the exchanges between the fellows there. It kind of makes me want to uh, watch the, the latest movie, to be honest with you, now that I've, I've read Oh, yes. It is so good. Oh, well, cool. It's another case of a fantastic movie that had a horrible ad campaign that died a tragic death. Kind of like John Carter. Yeah, The Legend of Tarzan was fantastic. Well, good. Granted, you know, if you know Tarzan just for movies, you don't necessarily know him really well. I know, like, the Johnny Weissmuller stuff, he was just kind of grunting and 
in this book we've got Tarzan <laughs> speaking French because he's yeah. learned to read English but hasn't learned to speak it yet. And so that, uh, and I'm sorry, you know, what kind of dick says, well, you can read English, let me teach you French. What kind of dick does that? You know, I, I was like, poor Tarzan. Wow. Uh, so nobody knows what he's saying because none of the characters are speaking French. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Edgar Rice Burroughs was kind of just tapping into that whole white man's mythology of what Africa was. So when he originally wrote the story, he used tigers instead of lions until someone said tigers aren't native to Africa. And so he changed this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, that sort of thing. If you look at the problematic portions of Tarzan, it's definitely a, a product of its time. Exactly. To be fair, it's only problematic now. It wasn't back then. <laughs> That is very true. But when you look at the character of Tarzan and how much impact he's had, IMDb lists 200 movies with wow. Tarzan in the title from between 1918 to 2016. Jeez. So, like, 100 years of Tarzan movies. That's awesome. There have been two different radio shows, eight TV series, and one of those was my first introduction to Tarzan. It was an animated series in the 70s. Five stage shows. There was a Broadway show in the 20s, a rock musical by Richard O'Brien called TZ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing Rocky Horror meets Tarzan, and it kind of creeps me out. There was a daily newspaper comic that ran over 43 years of original strips. There have been comic books, 24 books by Burroughs, followed by official books by Fritz Leiber, Philip Jose Farmer, who went on to link the Greystoke family to other family tree branches, such as Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. R.A. Salvatore adapted the first episode of one of the more recent TV series, Tarzan of California is named for Tarzan. <laughs> the cultural okay. impact. Yeah, and and without Tarzan, there would be no George of the Jungle. <laughs> oh, uh, but the cultural impact of Tarzan is insane. I am one of those I only knew Tarzan from movies. Although the last one was, I gotta say, you guys read the book. I listened mm-hmm. to the audio reading, and it really, truly was just a seamless prequel to the movie. That movie was done so well that everything was oh, yeah. fitting in where it should have. I dug the historical slant because I'm into that thing. But the bits of morality that were shared, too. You know, no other animal kills for pleasure besides humans. And you see Tarzan almost eating the body of the first man he kills. <laughs> but then yeah. he remembers the apes didn't eat their own. And the message of bullies being cowards at heart. And I have to insert here the ironic note about bullies. It is set in King Leopold's mess in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. Which back then was just the Belgian Congo. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved the little things that have been embraced from Burroughs' writing into the game mechanics, even. It's pretty much universal with role-playing games now. You gear up before you trek into the jungle. The human brain just snaps after they're attacked by a gorilla. (laughs) There's even little handling poison effects there. Uh, encumbrance. Tarzan couldn't take a spear because of the arrows he meant to take. Or he starts looting bodies because clothing becomes important all of a sudden. Tarzan, the original murder hobo. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely loved the process of getting Mabanga's tribe used to leaving him offerings so that he didn't just come in and take stuff. And I will admit to Boston a gut when the French sailors were depicted as being braver than the British explorers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I kind of I like that. Those little 
little bit of beauty there. Well, and with you talking about the movie, uh, the most recent movie, of course, there is the face-off with Tarzan and Mobonga, which was kind of a nice bit of continuity when they picked that up. But if you haven't seen the new Legend of Tarzan movie, the grandson of Edgar Rice Burroughs wept when he saw it because it was so perfect. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's really high praise. Totally worth seeing. I'm going to have to watch this after we get done with the show. Yeah. It's very, very good. Even just the little bits, like when somebody was captured by the tribe, the women of the tribe ran to get buckets because they were going to eat. (laughs) Like, that is dark. They've got the guy tied to the stake, and they're rushing in, and they're they're cutting at him. It's like, oh, this is really poking and torturing first, yeah. But those were the stories that were brought back to England after a lot of expeditions going out there to check on their lands. So he wrote about what he heard, all of the romanticized tales. Some of it may have been true, but we don't know. There's mythical Africa. You know, there's the Africa of myth and legend from the continent. And then there's European mythical Africa. And this is definitely European mythical Africa. This is the Africa of Tarzan, of Quartermain, King Solomon's mines. And they make reference to this ancient lost civilization of white people in Africa. And that's referenced in the story, and later on in the books, he finds it. But, wow. you know, there's there's so many things in there. You know, Tarzan, he can learn to read because, uh, I mean, and they almost flat out say it, he can learn to read because he's white nobility, and so these sort of things just come to him. Well, they also stated that he was smarter than an ape. They tried to make it sound like that's why he was able to start making the little bugs on the page, you know, the letters, making sense. But I, but I like his identity crisis. I, and of all things, I was kind of reminded of Steve Martin's The Jerk. As he's staring at himself, he's like, I've got no fur. I've got this <laughs> tiny mouth. I'm going to be this way forever. I'll always be this color. And so I had kind of that, that Steve Martin moment. It's such a great book. And it packs so much into a small package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of those things it packs in, there's, a, there's definitely some stuff to stat. I was thinking of Daniel Bishop submitted kind of a character background for people that had, had like the Innsmouth look and things like that. And I started thinking that Wildborn might be a great character background to overlay. You know, things like Tarzan or Mowgli from the Jungle Book or Lucan, the wolf boy from 70s TV. <laughs> okay. The people that are raised as feral children by animals, you know, there'd be some differences. And that might be kind of a neat thing to be able to tack onto a character. The Jungle Ape Man pretty similar to Tarzan. is already in the core DCC book in the ape entry. But of all of the things in the ape entry, there's like four-armed ape, there's white apes, there's giant apes. There's no just regular apes, actually, or, in the DCC yeah. book. Or anthropoid, as yeah, they were referred to in the book. <laughs> yeah. But, so there's no apes, there's no lions. Lions would be good to stat if you want to. Again, if you really want to get back to the original story, tigers. <laughs> Elephants. The only thing that the head of the ape tribe is afraid of is Tantor the elephant. Hmm. You could certainly, for the men in magic, you could do jungle tribesmen. Yeah. And because of what was going on with Mabonga's tribe, I like the idea of writing up Tarzan as a patron spirit. That's interesting. Because they were leaving him offerings? They were leaving offerings. They thought he was the ghost of the jungle, and I thought that would be kind of fun. Well, and he kind of was... Because he learned to write, so he was leaving notes for the men to read, and nobody put it together. And, lo- and love letters. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and love His letters. His first love letter that was so adorable. Um, and it was more articulate than, I heart you, do you heart yeah. me, check yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a lot of my first love letter. <laughs> you were that articulate? Yeah, it was, Dear Job, check here if you like. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. I like the, the Tarzan is a patron spirit idea with me. Kind of along the same lines with you. You can't not want to stat up a monkey boy that swings to the trees after eating this. Yeah. I thought it actually would be kind of cool because you think the apes in the story kind of communicated with each other. Oh, yeah, they had their own language. Yeah, they had their own language. So, you know, what if some ancestral or some spirit in the area actually possessed one of these animals and helped take care of a child that might have been left in the forest? Rather than being left to die, the spirit might force its way into an animal such as an ape or another animal and actually help raise the child, you know, as best it can. Oh, yeah, um, I think that'd nice. be Nice. Cool. Cannibalism was kind of prominent in this book. I kind of dug it. I was thinking you could do like a mystical shaman class where you eat a little bit and you gain a little bit of that victim strength. There is essence with each kill. You know, everybody likes a cannibal. Oof. I think there was some mention of malaria, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, the French captain, I think. Yeah, so, you know, you don't see a lot of diseases and fungi that you know can plague folks through you know in real life going through these tropical forests and jungles so it'll be kind of cool to write up some jungle rot oh yeah yeah and especially when this guy succumbs to a fever and just passes out for two days straight yeah meanwhile uh someone from the party's got to stay back to look after this character and they're going to be out of the action for a while and which is why they thought tarzan had possibly killed and eaten someone <laughs> well, they also thought that because the guy who was taking his place as Greystoke was kind of a brat. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, I, I like the idea, you know, with like the jungle animals and the shamanistic cannibalism because that really is pulling true mythic Africa into mm-hmm. the European mythic Africa. There was a great supplement for uh, 3.5 called Nyambi. And oh, yeah. The, the whole book is all about. Um, you might see a lion, but it's a weird color, and that's because this color means this omen. And it had oh, a mechanic cool. for you know killing your opponent, eating his heart, and stealing his strength. And something like that would be really cool to bring to DCC. I really like that idea. Ooh. Well, now, speaking of books in other systems, I know that in one of the original systems there... Uh, we, can, there... we can say first edition AD&D. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you can read books that will do things like increase your wisdom or your intellect, and... No, I'm proof that that doesn't work. (laughs) So, clearly what you need is a little primer. (laughs) Because that obviously raised Tarzan's intelligence. Quite a few levels, in fact. Yeah, he leveled up in the cabin. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, That was the equivalent of him going to town and learning from somebody, apparently. The apes referred to the rifles as little sticks that were loud. Mm-hmm. So statting up something like that could be kind of interesting. Or the specific apes that he lived with, Kala maybe imbuing her with one of those spirits that Dave was talking about. Or Kerchak, the one that hated him and was trying to kill him. I was also thinking statting up Archimedes Q. Porter could be interesting. He was the treasure seeker posing as an anthropologist. Jane's dad. Yeah. And one of the things that just really tickled me toward the end was the cultured men settling down to the inevitable absinthe. (laughs) And 
How would absinthe affect you, especially in a tropical climate? Well, I, when they're sitting there and they start arguing over, you know, the, the big, bold hunters. Well, I would go out and, and I'd have all these, and Tarzan's like, no, then I would never do it that way. You're a fool. I could do it butt naked with, <laughs> with a knife and a rope. I'll bet you this much. Okay. Done. So, I'll, I'll leave my clothes right here. And he goes out and they're all like, well, he's dead. We're going to have to go search for him. And here he comes, butt naked with a dead lion over his shoulders. <laughs> and man, maybe that was just the absinthe talking. <laughs> But yeah, the imagery in the book is fantastic. I suppose you could add absinthe to the list of props yeah. and whatnot. But... Yeah, because you can actually get it, I guess, now, right? It is legal again, although, wow, absinthe at a gaming table. Uh, I don't know if that'd be a good <laughs> idea. But... Okay, so what are you thinking, David? Well, you know, Tarzan, early on, when he first discovered the cabin where his true folks lived for a brief time, he found books that actually helped educate him. But uh, I think it would be kind of neat if you... You know, went to one of these vintage bookstores and you found some really, really old-looking books, and that's not hard to find these days. No, you know, no, no. Even if you wrote some strange symbology or some brief message that would actually be a clue to help your adventurers during a session, that would be easy enough to do and be kind of cool, you know, letting them actually get their hands on the book and look through it. And... I love stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, you know, Tarzan actually learned to write before he could actually speak with the humans he encountered so you could incorporate something similar to that during an adventure uh, if let's just say there was a an animal that might have been polymorphed or was possessed by the spirit of uh, someone who once could speak you could actually role play that out pretty well and i suppose instead of talking you could actually write messages out since the majority of the story took place in a jungle you could use some essential oils not on your body, but uh, you'd look kind of creepy mm. if you were putting oils on yourself in front of your party. But essential oils with exotic smells to simulate the fauna would be a nice effect. And musically, there's really an abundance of jungle background tracks on Spotify that would really set the mood for players who might be adventuring in tropical environments. And I've actually done this before with some homebrew stuff that I did about, I don't know, maybe one or two years ago. But... Uh, I dug up Greystoke, Legend of Tarzan. Uh, that was the mm. one with Christopher Lambier. Yeah, um, good movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I mastered his last name, did I? No, I, yeah, I think I, you I got it right. like Christopher Lambert, <laughs> the original Highlander, but... Uh, Chrissy Lamb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you guys are going to hell. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find the original score on Spotify, but it is on YouTube, so you could dig that up. And there's just a plethora of jungle noises with birds, jungle noises with lions, daytime jungle, nighttime jungle. There's there's more jungle than you could shake a banana tree at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much all I came up with. How about you, Jen? Actually, that's a brilliant segue with the uh, banana trees and stuff. We actually have a few in the backyard. We could pull some Get of the leaves off. You got banana They're trees? Weeds. Bananas they, are weeds. They, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, but big huge flowers that grow at the bottom of the bunches and those huge leaves yeah those would be great and, and free um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was originally thinking along the lines of like if you could find old brightly colored hand woven textiles you know, anything mm. from you know the, the tribes yeah. um, african tribal pottery you could have something on the table with some black sludge of some sort in it to act as the pot of that boiling tar-like poison that they were putting yeah. on, on the tips of their arrows. 
Check your players for spotted fingers, and uh, <sighs> if, if their fingers have black spots, their characters are dead. Exactly. Real life handle poison. Well, maybe not real life. Um, hmm. Yeah, that goes back to rotting meat. We'll skip it. As um, long as it's paralytic, you'll be okay. <laughs> Just put a little lidocaine in it. It'll numb the surface. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Clothes were really important to Tarzan, and then he started getting things like quivers and pouches, so you could find something like a leather bag, or even the little uh, pouches that are made out of the body of a turtle. Yeah, because loincloths don't have a lot of pockets. Exactly. But I've seen them made nowadays, even, with the the shells of the turtle. What? And Mm -hmm. they put a leather pouch where the body had been, and it Uh, makes a perfect little carrying case. I'm going to have to look this up. I think I have one somewhere. You do have one. Uh... You got a turtle bag? She's got a turtle bag. I I have a couple shelves of African anthropological stuff, so yeah, it's probably in there. So she hated this book. (laughs) (laughs) The old reading primers, like, if you can find them from the 20s and 30s, they've got some, I want to say some crappy little sketches usually, but that would be where he saw a picture of a boy or a picture of a man. And started putting the little bugs together to make sense of them. Honestly, you could go back to the method of describing items by what they look like visually instead of calling them by their proper name. Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. For reading background for any judges or players in this kind of situation that really want to get into it, probably more along the lines of judges, I highly, highly recommend King Leopold's Ghost by Adam Hochschild. It's technically a history book and a textbook in some cases, as with mine. And it's all about, well, King Leopold and Belgium taking over the Congo and the rubber trade and beware there are some very graphic pictures in the middle. Hmm. Yeah. For music, I'm going to lighten crap up a little bit here. I never thought I would get to promote this. I'm so happy. Rhythm of the Pride Lands. Skip. There's like four songs that are obvious tie-ins but it's music that was inspired by The Lion King, and they Africanized about four songs and added some more original material, which later went on to tie into, like, The Lion King musical and whatnot. But for the feel of it, there's some maudlin, and there's some happy tribal stuff, and it it's fantastic. Okay. Is that the one with uh, Elton John's The Circle of Life? No, it is in fact not. It, it's, uh, it's by Lebo M., who, again, went on to co-write the music for the stage show. Yeah, that was a horrible joke. I'm just going to hang myself in the closet now. <laughs> just do it out in the open. You could stay out of the closet for that one. <laughs> How about you, Bob? Well, you're thinking of props. I mean, come on, David Beatty in a loincloth. Uh, it's a little too much bacon wizard for me. Yeah. <laughs> Besides David at a loincloth, um, uh-huh. like old children toys, like wooden blocks or children's primers that are nice and stained with dirt and age would be good. Nice. One of those big old rubber knives that oh, you know, yeah. children used to be able to have as toys in the 70s uh, for <laughs> Tarzan's dagger would be great. Music-wise, we were just talking about The Legend of Tarzan. The original soundtrack for that is really good stuff. There's also some really good African music. There's an album called Sabar Walof, Dance Drumming of Senegal. And that one's, that one's really hard to find, but there's also uh, Uganda and other African nations, Feast of the Savannah, which is actually part of a series, and that one is available uh, streaming on Amazon. And there's other African artists like uh, Samati, Kajunin, Telek, so many. Yeah, and you those could, sound you could pretty go authentic. Through those. 
Well, they they are. They're they're African artists, and you can get some really really good stuff. And a lot of the African music CDs are really fairly inexpensive on Amazon when you start looking. Well, I mean, for that you you could throw in Miriam Makeba to the mix. You you could throw in Miriam Makeba, um, Ladysmith, Black Mambazo, and and a number of others that are more common. But like the Feast of the Savannah, the Dance Drumming of Senegal, that's the sort of stuff where you're hearing small tribes drumming. You're hearing you know authentic tribal you know, recordings of tribal music, and it set it can set a great great tone. Very cool. Oh, I just thought of one other thing that you could do at your table and just freak your people out a little bit. Next, we stop at cannibalism. <laughs> next time they think they know where some treasure is buried, go ahead and let them dig and let them find a body on top. <gasps> oh, Ooh, let them find yeah. the body that's falling apart. Yeah. And then see if they continue going for the treasure. A good idea. Because apes see someone bury something, and so they must dig it up and put it someplace else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's really good. Well, that's kind of inspirational. What other sort of inspirations and recents do we have, Jen? <laughs> well, i got to give credit to Daniel Bishop on these, because he got really excited about the subject material. And he reminded me that in the fanzine DAM, which is D-A-M-N, ECCRPG, Adventure, Magazine, and News, and that's kind of a stretch, in issue one of one. <laughs> the only issue yeah <laughs> there's a small adventure in there called the mysterious valley that daniel himself wrote and uh xanatar is a take on tarzan he's a legendary man ape child of explorers slain by dinosaurs in the middle valley and raised by a particular tribe and he also brought to my attention he published some dcc stats as well as a dissertation on Conan versus Tarzan, <laughs> which is kind of entertaining and actually pretty good food for thought. And so we'll be featuring his Tarzan stats in our zine this episode. Yes, he was very kind to allow us to use some of his Thank you, Mr. He Bishop. He rocks, he knows it. Yeah. I got to thinking about Tower Out of Time, because oh, if you put yeah. it in a jungle, you could make the primitives, the apes of Tarzan's tribe. Totally. I thought that'd be really kind of fun. People have been reskinning classic D&D adventures for DCC. I'd suggest taking a look at Isle of Dread as a fantastic way to tie mm-hmm. old school adventuring in Tarzan into DCC. Oh, yeah. That's a good it's, idea. It's a classic adventure, and if you skin that for DCC and run it, Paysetter Games has done an unofficial sequel to Isle of Dread that is available as well. Ah, but yeah, you could really just kind of turn things around and run a zero-level ape funnel. <laughs> I like that. You could even that. use something similar to the caveman stats if you can't find ape on the purple sorcerer generator. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. I mean, I think you play caveman in, is it frozen in time? Yes. So yep. maybe it's not frozen. You could drop that into a jungle setting, change cavemen to apes pretty easily. Oh, God, you could even run them through the adventure that Mr. Beatty wrote for us. Palace of Alcmina, which was based on the story Jules of Gwalior. Yeah, but yes, you could definitely do that. Yay! See what I did there? <laughs> yeah. Eh? <laughs> I kind of, I thought about the Doom of the Savage Kings. Um, even though oh. I think it takes place in a forest, I think it could very easily be, you know, to where it was switched to a jungle environment because that whole... Yeah, the, the whole little city area, mm-hmm. all of the encounters there could almost be what happened just around that cabin. Yeah, or you could turn it into a village. Well, yeah. The Croaking Fane, for some reason, I kept thinking about that. And I actually ran the Croaking Fane this year and used it in some homebrew and put it in a jungle environment because there's an ancient temple of Bubug Bubils that uh, is this huge frog temple and I could just nicely easily, done 
Yeah, I practiced for a long. I actually yeah. practiced saying that before I ran the adventure because I'm just that cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and every time someone said it and got it wrong, I took away a point of luck as a curse. But, oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's mean. But uh, that that's would be something cool. Miscavige would do. <laughs> yes, it is. I was thinking the same thing. I'm sure that's something that that he has done actually. Well, hey, look, if me being from the deep south can say Bobo Boobills, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just rolls off my tongue for some reason. But those were the two that I, I kind of came up with. Speaking of rolling off the tongue nicely, that will bring us to our DCC feature for the show, The Treasure Vaults of Zadabad by Carl Bussler and Eric Kaufman. This was put out by Stormlord Publishing. It's a good one. And it's really not Zadabad. But don't. Ha ha ha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you hadn't gone there, I would have. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, to it. You, you guys both suck. <sighs> Ahead lies the island Kalmata, your destination, home to plague colonies, marooned pirates, madmen, and secrets no mortal mind was meant to uncover. It is also the location of the ruined city of Zadabad and its famed treasure vaults. Whether fortunate or ill-fated, you have in your possession the Rod of the Crescent Moon, a relic of dead religions and forgotten kingdoms. It is also the key to unlocking the vaults. Finding the lost city is a challenge many have accepted, but none have survived. Fetid swamps, harsh jungles, and unforgiving mountains hide your prize. How far will you travel, and how much will you risk to uncover the treasure vaults of Zadabad? Sweet. And just as a little note, it stands to mention that the Rod of the Crescent Moon is actually... Well, that relic may or may not stem from a particular funnel these guys put out. Yeah. So that that was the perfect match, I think, with the jungle environment and everything. I mean, you've got a 44-page hex crawl here. Yeah, I think we all pretty much went to this adventure when we were trying to come up with one. Yeah, yeah, we did. Not only did the three of us, but Daniel Bishop went straight to this, too. He's like, hey, guys, you're doing Tarzan. Yeah, and Hoffman paid me 50 bucks, so. (laughs) 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 Okay, so we got to do the official plug. There's 22 locations, over 30 new monsters, 11 new magic items. And this is not going to take your players just a single game, and there is no no. no set way for people to go. One of my favorite parts is that one of the tombs is an out-and-out homage to Bruce Campbell. (laughs) In this, you have more than one native tribe that you may come across, and some of the creatures have been named, just like, was it Tonta? Tonta? The elephant? Tonta the elephant, yeah. yeah. In that vein, Tarzan doesn't think of Tonta but of Tonta the Elephant. You may meet a mutated version of Tarzan in here, or corrupted versions of men who've been marooned here. There's also a couple of areas that could tie into the Sylvan Paradise, quote-unquote, that Burroughs describes being in the remote depths of the jungle here. I love the way it starts, because it starts with a quote. It was no ape, neither was it a man. It was some shambling horror spawned in the mysterious, nameless jungles of the South, where strange life teemed in the reeking rot without the dominance of man, and drums thundered in temples that had never known the tread of a human foot. It starts with a quote from Jewels of Gualur by Robert E. Howard, which we covered in episode 14, and so I really, I really <laughs> dug. We're, we're tying Edgar Rice Burroughs and, and Robert E. Howard together, and Daniel Bishop is giving us stats for the heroes of Robert E. Howard and Edgar Rice Burroughs to fight each other. It, it's just kind of a really nice blend. I also thought that the adventures got the gate to elsewhere, and you could use that to take players from the island 
straight into Tarzan's Africa, and they wouldn't necessarily even know it until they could no longer find the coast of the island. And so you could use that as opposed to dropping someone on the Purple Planet or in the Shutter Mountains. You could drop them in Burroughs' Africa. Quite honestly, with all of the tombs available here, the minute they poke around in a tomb, as they go to leave, they could find themselves somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could use that, that mechanic very easily. Just the tribalism of the apes in Tarzan. You've got the warring tribes, and you start dropping warring tribes of gorillas into an adventure locale and put the players in the middle, and you have just ratcheted up the tension quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And so that'd be something nice to drop in. You could even stumble upon a hunting camp. You know, other people that have been here. I believe there's a little bay that had been used by pirates, for lack of better words, (laughs) uh, called Robert's Rest, fittingly enough. Uh, I gotta say, one of my favorite critters in here fall under the minion category, for lack of a better phrase. There's the snap traps, there's some fungal critters. Uh, and my favorite, yeah. the jackal monkeys with a special ability that lets them throw poo for like 30 or 40 feet. So yeah, you, yeah. what would a jungle adventure be without monkeys that throw poo? Man, it, it's a little creepy because some of these things like these snap traps actually have a little bit of variable tables involved. Yeah. This is, what is this, uh, maybe 15 retail or a 20? What is it, do you know? I think 18 is what was yeah. on the website, but it's you currently guys, out of stock. You're getting a lot of bang for your butt with this because, A, it's a hex crawl. So there's tons of room for you to throw in of some of your own encounters or teams. Yeah. Got, but this is easily, I would say, a month or two of weekly sessions, wouldn't you guys? Well, yeah, 44-page hex crawl. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. meat on these bones. And very well done. I mean, these guys put out great stuff, whether it's Black Powder, Black Magic, or Treasure Vaults of Zadabad, but it's really good stuff. So if you haven't picked it up, guys, you definitely need to put this on your list. Well, and not only that, it was so cram full of stuff that it couldn't all fit. That is true. Which leads to... Which leads us to a huge shout-out to Stormlord Publishing. They have yeah. not only donated prize support for anyone submitting Ooh. content for the Sanctum Sacorum zine, Ooh. hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> but they've given us permission to publish one of the tombs that was cut for space from the original Zadabad publication. Wee! Yeah, that's awesome. And let's not forget to mention Todd McGowan for the amazing art and he, I think he donated something to the prize support as well, he right? He did. It's purdy. He has donated an original Tarzan piece, and we will be giving out the original artwork to someone, to some lucky, lucky winner. Submitter. Submit. (laughs) Submit. (laughs) And uh, and we will be including the art itself in uh, this episode's companion. So you're going to get to see it, and it'll be nice. Yeah. Okay. So we're ready to do some shout outs. Let's do our, the rest of our shout-outs. Go for it. Uh, road crew and convention shout-outs, guys. We've got Brett and Gaming MBS. They tell us that there will be plenty of open gaming at Evercon, happening at Rothschild, Wisconsin, this weekend, January 6th through 8th. And Julian Burnick is looking for playtesters for his upcoming Nowhere City Nights adventure. You can find Julian on G+, in the DCC RPG community. Thanks to Quanchai Moria for his addition of a newly created DCC character sheet and zero-level sheet that he has submitted to the community. Thanks also to James Posenel for his addition of a smart autofill DCC sheet that oh. as you level up, it puts in the class titles and, wow. and all that wonderful stuff. Yeah, we'll have links to that, but both of them put links originally in the DCC RPG community on Google+. 
you should definitely be following that group. Yeah. Congrats to Mark Bruner and Goodman Games on yet another successful Kickstarter. I didn't get mine in time to run it before Christmas, so I'm going to put it on the shelf for next year, but it looks awesome. Aww. Yeah. And congratulations to Stephen Bean on the release of Rock God Death Fugue. You can order your copy for 12 bucks. Well, okay, 15 counting shipping. Send him an email at steve at stevebeangames.com. That, that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Troy Tucker, continues to run DCC RPG at the Magician's Forge in Northport, Florida. Hi, you can Troy! Check, <laughs> you can check with the store or find Troy Tucker on G Plus or Facebook for more information. And Goodman Games has released X Crawl Louisiana Rising, a PDF only fundraising adventure with 100% of all proceeds going to organizations working on flood relief in Louisiana. That is so cool. And DCC X-Crawl needs more love. I want to see an X-Crawl tournament at Gen Con soon. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Be perfect. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it's got a really good vibe to it. Let's give a shout out to the 5th Ed D&D podcast, Death Save, for their Tomb of Horrors actual play DCC podcast. And you can oh. find all three parts at deathsave.blogspot.com. Jeff Goad continues the Brooklyn DCC goodness at Brooklyn Strategist. Sunday, January 15th, he is running... Black Sun Death Crawl by James McGeorge, a personal favorite of mine. Hmm. In addition, the Appendix N Book Club will be discussing Black Amazon of Mars and Other Tales by Lee Brackett. Such good stuff. That just nice. goes awesome. And as always, we would love to see what sort of stuff you're working on and things you've created based on your Appendix N reading. As mentioned, we're extending the submission contest now with more prizes <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. And you can submit those to the hub at sanctum.media or find us on G Plus or find us individually on Facebook. Keep an eye out for our future topics and we'll be more than happy to include your material in the show companion. And speaking of companions. Yeah. <laughs> and he laughs. You're such a brat. <laughs> David Bailey has grown he has grown tired of us beating him up for his lunch money as he leaves uh, the library. He is moving on for darker pastures and darker trails. Yeah, I'm getting uh, the Atlas chaps uh, out and I'm hitting the I dark mean, trail. You know um, all chaps are assless, right, David? You, <laughs> it's you know just more right. fun to say. Yeah, I just like saying assless chaps. But yeah, thanks guys for having me for I guess we've been over just a little over a year. Yeah, this is this is uh twenty, 20 episodes. episodes man. Yeah. And in October last year. I, I want to thank you both for covering up the fact that I actually can't even read. Uh, <laughs> it, it's the whole oh, and that you I'm podcast the one with the in the nude. <laughs> yeah, they've carried me this whole way. So, um, oh stop! Thank you both for being patient with me, and thank you guys for listening and putting up with my maniacal cackle, which I know is grating on the nerves. So, well, now that. you can continue submitting, and and you might be able to enter a contest. <laughs> Uh, well, if there's going to be prizes, I'll definitely submit. So. <laughs> oh, I see. That's how it is. That's how it is. I feel the same way. Don't tell Bob. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, it's been great having you on the show. We're certainly going to miss having you in, in our monthly BS sessions before and after taping. And uh, we wish you well with Dark Trails. It's coming along nicely, and I think it's really going to wow some folks when it's done out. Don't we forget about so. us. We want to play test for you. You know that. And when you guys see us and we're hugging in tears at the cons, it's just because we haven't seen each other for a don't while. So don't freak out. Forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah. So there's that. So we do hope we've inspired you to something <laughs> other than tears. Maybe and that's thanks just for listening, me. guys. Be inspired. 
You have been listening to the Sanctum Secorum Podcast. Join us again next time as we study Jack Vance's The Dying Earth and introduce the new Keeper of Mysteries. Copyright 2016.